Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn it to Luke, the 23rd chapter, and then get ready to flip over to Luke, the 24th chapter. Today, we are celebrating the greatest moment in history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is amazing. He died. He actually died. They actually buried him, and three days later, he got back up, and that's what we're celebrating today, and that's what I want to settle in our hearts and our life because it was not just his resurrection. Hear what I'm saying. It was also your resurrection. It was not just his death on the cross. It was your death on the cross. So Luke, the 23rd chapter, starting in verse 54. The Bible says it was the day of preparation. And the Sabbath was beginning. The Sabbath day was a time that they could not do any work. And so the day before the Sabbath... They had to make sure that everything was ready, everything was prepared. They had all the groceries ready. They had everything cooked because they could do no work. And so on the day that Jesus died, that Friday, starting at 3 p.m. is when they would start that time of preparation. So it says it was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him, who had come with Jesus from Galilee, followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. Now turn to chapter 24, starting at verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. I want you to get a picture of what's happening here. These women saw Jesus die. They saw the tomb. They saw where he was laid. They prepared spices to anoint his body, to prepare him for burial. And now on this Sunday morning, the first day of the week, they are bringing those spices to the tomb to anoint his body. Verse 2. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this. Somebody say they were perplexed. They were puzzled. Behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why? Do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Turn to the person next to you and say, he told you so. so. I was in a pool with a man one time. And it it wasn't as weird as it just sounded. (laughs) Or was it? No. 
And we were talking about Jesus. We were talking about his crucifixion. We were talking about his resurrection. And the man said, you do know that Jesus did not know he was going to die on the cross. Yeah, that's, that was my response. I said, bring him another beer, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Jesus knew. Not only did he know, but he told everyone over and over again, I am going to die. They are going to lay me in a tomb. But three days later, I will come back. I, I love the stories of Scripture. I love reading them. I love hearing about them. But I really wish that I had the opportunity to see them happen with my own eyes. Not like a depiction of the story, not like a movie that you could watch that somebody made, but actually if God could take me and put me back in the moment to see these stories with my own eyes, that would blow me away. I, I would love to see the story of creation, the moment when God spoke everything into existence, the moment he hung the stars and put them in their place. I, I would love to see the Red Sea when God split it so that Israel could walk over on dry ground. A, a story from Scripture that I've always been enamored with is the story of David. And to be there the day that he faced Goliath to see the interaction and the encounter and to see the giant fall is something that I would love to see with my own eyes. But more than anything, I would love to see the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but my mind works that way. Like, I wish I could be there. And then I start thinking, like, how would I have responded if I was actually there when Jesus was alive, walking on the earth, ministering to the people? Would I have been the type of person who heard what he said and followed him, or would I have been one of the people cheering for his crucifixion? Would I have been like John the Beloved who went all the way to the cross with Jesus? Or would I have been like Peter who denied even knowing him? You know, I'd like to believe that on Saturday I would have been tailgating outside the tomb, <laughs> grilling some hot dogs, waiting on a resurrection, but I don't know. See, it's easy to say, oh, I would have done this or I would have done that when you're standing on this side of history. But these people were living in the moment. It's easy to talk about hope when everything's good. It's easy to talk about the joy of the Lord is my strength when you're happy. But these people saw their hope hung on a cross. They saw their Savior crushed. They saw their desire and dreams for a better future destroyed in that moment and laid in a tomb. They actually saw it. And when they go to the tomb on Sunday morning, they are not going for a resurrection. They're going to cover up the stench of death. They get there, they're perplexed. Because the body they went to anoint is no longer there. They're puzzled. Where could he be? Their mind does not go back to the fact that Jesus told them Hey, this is going to happen. I'm coming back. I'm going to get out of the grave. Instead, they're wondering what happened to his body. And right there in this place of desperation, in this place of brokenness, they're there to cover the stench of death and not witness a resurrection. 
And I wonder how many times we do that in our life. Instead of looking for a resurrection to our brokenness, a resurrection for our dead dreams, a resurrection for whatever it is that may be dying in your life or is currently dead, instead of looking for a resurrection, we're just trying to cover the stench of the death. Like Mary and the other ladies, they've prepared the spices and they're going to go anoint the body so that you don't smell death even though it is there. How many of you know you can put a lot of makeup on a pig, but it's still a pig? But sometimes that's, that's how we live. Sometimes that's how I have lived my life. There's something broken. There's something missing. There's something lacking. And instead of trying to find a resurrection, I will go and do things to cover it up so that you don't see what's actually happening. Or maybe so that I don't feel just for a moment what's actually happening inside. I'm covering the stench of death. Have you ever been there before in your life? You don't have to raise your hand. Go shopping. Why? Because you're trying to cover something that's missing or lacking or broken in your life. You find a new relationship. Why? Because you're trying to cover something that's missing, lacking, or broken in your life. You go to substances. Why? Because there's something missing, lacking, or broken in your life. And just for a moment, you're looking for a quick fix. You're looking to cover the stench of death instead of looking for a resurrection. The, the angel says to the ladies as they're there in this moment, perplexed by the situation, he says something so profound, something so powerful, something that we should consider today. He says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? That's a That right there ministers to me as an individual because I think about how many years of my life I was looking for the living among the dead. In other words, what I was looking for was good. I'm, I'm looking for love. I'm looking to be accepted. I'm looking for somewhere to belong. I'm looking for some peace. I'm looking for joy. I'm looking for something good, but I'm going to the wrong place. And the problem is, if you continue going to dead places to find life, you will not find life. You'll only find more death. How many of you know that's true? You've experienced that in your life. The things that you have run to trying to satisfy that deep need in your life you find out it did not do anything beneficial. As a matter of fact, you left the scenario not smelling better, but smelling worse, more like death. And so what do we do? We keep on piling on more and more and more and more and more and more of this stuff, just trying to make ourselves feel good, trying to fill the void left by our disappointments, left by things that have happened to us in our past that either we did or someone did to us, and it has broken us, and now we're left to deal with, with this situation and we don't know how to handle it and so like Mary we try to cover it up but something beautiful happens while she's in this place of hopelessness when she is in this place of brokenness when she is in this place where she is perplexed she does not understand what is going on Jesus meets her right there and she turns around and she sees her hope face to face. She sees life face 
to face. Her mourning turns to joy in that moment. Why? Because Jesus will always meet us at the place of our desperation. Jesus will always meet us at the place of our brokenness and on the other side of the tomb there's something better. Turn to the person next to you and say, on the other side of the tomb, there's something better. See, I've got to learn how to shift my eyes from where I am to where he says I can go. Too many times we're looking and staring at the dead place. We're staring at the hurt. We're staring at the disappointment. And because that's what we're looking at, that's what we're feeding on, that becomes our reality. But if I can ever learn to turn from that place of pain around and see Jesus, that is where my hope, that is where my life, that is where my strength comes from. You have to hear me today. There is hope. There is a better life. There is a resurrection on the other side of that tomb. You just have to know where to look. And all of that baggage that I bring with me, all of the stuff that I have collected along the way in my life no longer has to be a part of who I am. Because the Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. And everything becomes, I like to say, brand spanking new. Jesus doesn't just restore us. He renews us. And you have to understand this resurrection is more than just eternal life. This resurrection we are talking about is abundant life here and now. The moment that God brings you into your purpose, the, the, the moment that God gives you a reason to wake up in the morning beyond just going to work for a paycheck. When I wake up, I wake up with purpose. When I wake up, I wake up with destiny. When I wake up, I wake up anointed knowing that God has a thing for me to accomplish. Why? Because I was dead, but now I live. I used to be blind, but now I see. There is hope. There is hope. There is a future beyond the grave. If you have your Bible, go to Galatians 2, 20. I love this. The writer of Galatians 2, verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. You need to understand that's what happened. When Jesus hung on the cross and died, who you were died with him when you have received him. says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I am thankful for that right there. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. He is now working in me and through me to accomplish his will and his purpose. It is no longer I who live. I need to remember that. It is no longer I who live. Frank, the man I was, is no longer living. He is dead. See, when we talk about the empty tomb, we act as if when Jesus walked out, nothing was left behind. But that's not true. 
It is empty in the sense that Jesus is no longer there. But as soon as he stepped out, he made room for my sin. He made room for my shame. He made room for my condemnation. He made room for my past to move in. And I've got to allow him to do his work through his resurrection power to take all that stuff, put it in the tomb, and seal it. And I've got to stop going back and digging up bones. I'm digging up bones. Too many times we dig up the bones of our past because we have not grasped the reality of what Paul is saying here in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And I've got to remind myself of this stuff. Because the enemy will always try to remind you of who you were and try to make you feel like that's who you are and who you'll always be. And if you buy into it, you become a prisoner trapped by deception. Stuck, confined to a tomb with a stone rolled in front of it that you do not have the power to move. But when I understand the power of his resurrection when I understand the power of his crucifixion, when I understand the power of his blood that makes me a completely new being. The old has passed away. Everything has been made new. Do you understand that? Do you understand that once Jesus forgives you of your sin, it is as if it never happened? If he's not going to sit there in heaven and ponder over your past, why should you? If he's not going to ponder over the person you used to be, then why should you? I am looking for a resurrection. Today, I am looking for a resurrection for anything that feels lost or broken or missing or lacking, understanding that through the blood of Jesus, everything that I need comes into my life. I don't have to live broken. I don't have to live without joy. I don't have to live without peace because he gave his life so that I could live. At what point in time am I actually going to start living in this? The life he promises is not a life void of problems. See, that's, that's the issue that we get mixed up in. We think, oh, I come to Jesus and I have no more problems. That's not the life he promises. He promises peace in the midst of the storm. Calm in the midst of the crisis. Joy in the midst of the struggle. With the hope of a real resurrection on the other side. See, part of the resurrection that I get from Jesus is an abundant life here and now. Goodness and mercy shall follow me when all the days of my life. David says, I would have given up. I would have lost hope unless I believed that I would have seen the goodness of the Lord right here, right now in the land of the living. That's the abundant life. So I have an expectation that even though all hell's breaking loose, I'm going to experience the favor of God. But beyond that abundant life, there is an eternal life, which means beyond all the pain and the suffering here, one day every tear will be wiped away. All sickness will be destroyed, and death, which is the final enemy, will be destroyed forever. That is the hope that we have from the resurrection 
of Jesus Christ. The hope that there is something better for me. There is something better for you. I just want to take a moment before we close because I know that there are people in this room that you have experienced the disappointment of death. The disappointment of dreams that were not fulfilled. The disappointment of a purpose you felt that you had that seems like it no longer exists. Today, you do not have to walk in that disappointment if you'll understand who Jesus is and what he accomplished. When you understand that nothing is too far gone for him, no one is too far beyond the reach of Jesus. And today he is standing, looking at you, gazing at you, calling you unto himself. For some, that is actual salvation. You've never received Jesus Christ into your heart and your life. But for some, it is a resurrection of dead dreams. For some, it is a resurrection of dead hopes, dead promises, dead purposes. Let me say this, and this will make sense to only a few in the room. But to those it makes sense to, that's who it's for. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. If you were called, you are called. If you were chosen, you are chosen. And there are some things that have happened in your life that brought disappointment. And because of that, you thought, you know what? I'll leave that behind and I'll spend the rest of my life covering the stench of the disappointment. I'll put on the facade. I'll put on the act. I know how to carry myself. I know how to act like it is well, even when it is not well. But today I'm telling you, you need to turn around. You need to fix your focus on Jesus and allow him to bring you into the place that he's called you to be, into the purpose that he has for you. No, it may not look like what you thought it was going to look like, but it doesn't mean he doesn't have a purpose for you. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you for every person who is watching online. And Lord, I'm asking that you would help them to have an experience with your resurrection power today. Lord, I'm asking that you would transform hearts and transform lives. Lord, I'm asking that you would move them from the place of their disappointment, from the place of their shame, from the place of their condemnation, from the place of them trying to cover up the stench of things that have happened. And Lord, I'm asking that you would give them the new life that you have promised to everyone who believes. Right now, where you are, I want you to say this with me. Jesus, I believe that your resurrection is my resurrection. I believe that because of you, who I was is no longer who I am. Today, I choose to follow you, to follow your truth, to follow your path, which leads to life. In Jesus' name.
not over, Rich. It's never over. As long as we're willing to get back up and keep on moving, as long as we are willing to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, it is never over. And he is the author and the finisher of our story, the author and the finisher of our faith. And just because our story hits a certain place in time doesn't mean it has to stay there. You are anointed. You are called. You are chosen. The hand of God is on your life. And the things that have happened in your past will not compare to the things that he will accomplish in your life in the future. I believe that with all my heart. As I was praying today, getting ready for service, back in the back, God dropped you in my heart. And I believe that your greatest days are ahead of you. And that's your wife, no, friend, friend, I believe that your greatest days are ahead of you. I don't want to get too personal with anyone in here right now. But too many times we allow the things in our life to confine us to a tomb. Things that have happened to us, thoughts and opinions of people, brokenness, we allow it to confine us. Today is a day to get up. Today is a day to come out. Today is the day that the Lord has made for you to live. Father, I thank you for filling your people with joy. I thank you for filling your people with strength. I thank you for filling your people today with hope, God. In Jesus' name everyone would say.